on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glorious. No, I won't give in. What's up and welcome in. You are listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Live from Chicago on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with open phone lines for you. 312-332-ESPN. 332-3776 the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. Also on Instagram, IGJHood. It's funny that we're playing glorious Robert Rude because you can find Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. My Every Tuesday wrestling segment I do here on ESPN 1000. Those interviews is posted on the YouTube page. Also, follow on Twitter at WrestlingTWT for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. WrestlingTWT on Twitter. If you're a wrestling fan, there's plenty of content up there. Check it out. And, of course, the podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Deezer. Wherever you get your podcast, <laughs> I got just made up one. I think it is up there, actually. Uh, but check it out. Also on Apple Podcasts, of course. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Glad to have you in here on this Thursday. No show tomorrow because we got the NBA Finals. Uh, we'll hear from Pat Bradley, my friend from the SEC Network, former Arkansas Razorback. He'll tell us what the Bulls could be doing with the draft uh, at the number seven position. We'll talk to Pat coming up in about 10 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. A um, couple of things here I want to point out. I don't know if you saw this story. I don't know if anyone else has talked about this story, but you know what? This is what Under the Hood is. We bring you stories that you might not have heard. So how about this story about Steve Blass? Do you know who Steve Blass is? Steve Blass is a, was a pitcher that had a good career until he could not find home plate. One of these guys that had this mental... That's not a mental issue, but kind of a mental block when it comes to playing baseball. I've, I saw, I've seen this. I don't think you see this in the modern day now, but it, I saw this as a kid where you had Steve Sachs who, can, who played second base and could not get the ball to first base, kept whipping it into the stands. They had to put him out in left field. I remember as a White Sox, he was playing left field. Mackie Sasser was a catcher with the uh, New York Mets. He was a catcher. He would catch the ball and could not throw it back to the pitcher. He threw it to second, threw it to short, but could not throw it back to the pitcher. Just weird mental blocks. Steve Blass could not find home plate. and But he is a revered member of the Pittsburgh Pirates broadcast team. Been around for a long time. So he, uh, so Steve Blass, as a longtime broadcaster with the Pirates, had something to say that made people scratch their head and wonder why. Some will hear this and believe this is a good idea. What he's saying is true. What he's saying is factual, and some will not understand where he's coming from. So Steve Blass had these comments to say about Ronald Acuna uh, of the Atlanta Braves. Oh. And I'm on the elbow. You know, I, I was getting ready to say, you know, with a young player just doing all that stuff and all the jewelry and all the stuff, uh, back in the day, uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but, uh, <laughs> oh, that, that was done on purpose. It's hard to believe it was done on purpose. No, I, I'm not suggesting that. Just, that's why I qualified it back in the day. Yeah. Padding. 
right on that elbow pad. A little look toward Brolt. Give it a rest. Thoughts there from Steve Blass. Let me see if I can paint the picture for you. If you've never seen Ronald Acuna play for the Atlanta Braves. By the way, the Braves have picked up um, Dallas Keuchel, by the way. That, so if you're wondering where Keuchel was going, it's not the White Sox. He's going to the Atlanta Braves. But let's focus on the point here. Acuna wears gold chains. And he is a flashy player for the Atlanta Braves. Flashy not because of his, the chains that he wears. He's flashy because uh, he is an exuberant young player in Major League Baseball. And so when you hear uh, Steve Blass talk about Acuna, and there was a, a pitch that was thrown. I don't know if he was thrown at Acuna or whatever. But Steve Blass, the broadcaster, wanted to make it very clear that he does not like that stuff, meaning that he doesn't like the gold chains of Acuna. Listen. Oh. Got him on the elbow. Yeah, you know, I, I was getting ready to say, you know, with a young player just – doing all that stuff and all the jewelry and all the stuff uh, back in the day uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong but uh, well, that, that was done on purpose hard to believe I, it was done on purpose no I'm, I'm not suggesting that just, that's why I qualified it back in the day yeah padding right on that elbow pad a little look toward Brault give it a rest so Steve Brault um, was the pitcher for the Pirates and hit Acuna okay so Blast is 77 years old, and he drew criticism from the national media after he commented on Acuna Jr. adjusting his chains around his neck during a bat. I'm talking about back in the day and how a pitcher would have thrown at a batter. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. So Blast is no different than a lot of players from that era that feels that if a player is too much of a quote-unquote hot dog or if a player it seems like he's bigger than the game, whatever that means, right? Bigger than the game that you need to throw at him or you need to disrespect him because he's just disrespecting the game. So what Steve Blass said is not a surprise. I'm looking through this Twitter here. Manny Sanguian says, let me stay for the record that Steve Blass is not a racist because now we're looking at people thinking that Steve Blass is a racist because he doesn't like the idea that Acuna is wearing gold chains. Okay. So Blass is no different than a lot of old broadcasters that's around. I'll give you one here in the city. Ed Farmer. Not a big fan of Ed Farmer's broadcast. Ed Farmer in... Whenever the last time the, the Sox played the Kansas City Royals, I was listening. And when Tim Anderson had that bat flip, he told DJ, yeah, he, was, he might pay for that when he comes back to the play. There's going to be a problem. Can't, you know, pretty much, it was pretty much saying that Tim Anderson's going to pay for flipping his bat. And again, Farmer's a White Sox broadcaster, but he looks at it as an old school pitcher that would, Try to send a message to batters that would show up the game, show up his team, whatever. So that's Farmer's mentality. So that's not a surprise. So I, I just think that when it comes to this situation with Steve Blass, Steve Blass has got to realize, like a lot of old school baseball people, a lot of old school broadcasters got to realize that there is a culture shock. There is something that's going on here in Major League Baseball and a resistance there from old school baseball uh, people that they're not going to like. Like they don't like Acuna and guys like that that show flash and show emotion on the base pass because what they want are robots. What they want are guys that are going to just go station to station and not show a lot of emotion on the field. But here's the thing. 
one of the things that will drive people to the television or to their device to find out what happened in a baseball game is what happened? What were the outstanding plays? And who's creating energy? Something that you, uh, players that you want to watch. Like Mike Trout's a great player, but Mike Trout's not the, the reason why that you're going to run to the television to watch him. You want to see the home run, sure, but what else is there? And again, I'm not saying that these guys have to run all over the field like it's an episode, like it's the movie Major League. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that Major League Baseball needs personality. It does need it. Not all over the field, but it needs personality. Acuna is one of those guys that's a young player that you enjoy watching. Tim Anderson, the White Sox, is a guy that you enjoy watching. Because he's more than just a baseball player. He's giving you some flair. Flair is important for this game. So I, I don't look at Steve Blass as a racist. I don't look at broadcasters that, that feel that when players add a little flair to the game, that it's look, that's how they see it. But you have to understand, baseball is more than just balls and strikes. It's more than just the stats. It's more than who won, who lost, what's he hitting, all that kind of nonsense. It was that, but the reason why baseball will continue to be the I Love Lucy of sports is because it it does not have the fusion of personality in it. Another example of this, when I was a kid, for those of you that are of a certain age, especially Gen Xers, and it's, the show's still on right now, but it, it does not have the same acclaim as it once did, uh, that This Week in Baseball where you saw the personalities. They had a 30-minute, one-hour show to be able to kind of give you an, some insight on the personalities of Major League Baseball players. And so you don't get that as often. you got to go to Major League Baseball Network and see certain shows to be able to see the personalities. That's important. Personalities, along with the production, are going to grow the sport. The reason why the NBA is so popular as much as it is, whether you like the NBA or not, you have a comment on it. And your comment is, I don't like this player. I don't like the way he left. I don't like the way this player plays. I don't like the way. See, the thing is that there's interest. Whether you like it or not, there's interest. In baseball, you have a bunch of guys that are just steady. All You have a bunch of guys that are just playing the game and they go back to the dugout. Well, that's not enough to grow the sport anymore. It was for me as a kid. It's, you know, but the personality shouldn't be on the back of a baseball card. It should be on the field too. Some of the more fun things that you'll see in baseball – is not necessarily Major League Baseball. It's a World Baseball Classic. The Zuzu Velos are out, and the fans are into every pitch, and they're into every inning, and they are excited about the game. Listen, if you are a Gen Xer or a baby boomer and you watch Major League Baseball, and you just want your baseball the way you love it, you just want to see the stats, you just want to see the balls and strikes, that's fine. But once we're gone, once we've died out, the thing that's going to make the game uh, interesting especially for the next generation, is the personality. Who is that guy I'm watching? We talked about this the other night. I said, you know, as much as you may love, some of you would love for me to just break down box scores and break down why the Cubs lost against the Rockies, you don't care about that. You don't care about the box score. What you care about is the personality. You, you care about whether or not your team won or lost. It's a difference. I was in an era early in my career where I was breaking down box scores and you guys were calling me talking about the, the intricate nature of the game of baseball talking about the two, two pitch in the fourth and talk, but you don't call me and talk to me about that anymore. The reason why is because you don't care about that. What you care about is who did my team win or lose? How can my team continue to win? How can my team be able to have more superstars on it? So we can win the world series. Acuna is good for the game. 
And Blast is behind the time. Like, Hawk Harrelson's been behind the times. Like, Ed Farmer's been behind the times. You, you talk about trying to throw at guys just because they got chains on their neck. This was happening in the 80s. <laughs> it, I, I will say this because we got to talk about the NBA and the NBA draft. The Latino ball player comes from the Dominican Republic. They come from wherever they come from. And they come from an environment where baseball is not just a game. It's a celebration where, where there's family and there's friends and there's a celebration in the stands. I mentioned the World Baseball Classic. That is the coolest environment. Don't you wish baseball was more like that where instead of the reserved crowd that people are actually into the game, for some it's just a, you know, one of 162. But it's good to see players saying, I love the game. I love it so much that I'm going to bring energy to my team. I want to bring energy to uh, the dugout and to the fans for them to stay interested. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're listening to ESPN 1000 of the ESPN app. Jonathan Hood with you. So glad you're with us. The NBA draft is right around the corner. We turn to an Arkansas Razorback, a man that covers college basketball for the SEC Network. My friend Pat Bradley is with us here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Pat, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. Jay Hood, my man. Great to talk to you again. Uh, was just listening to what you had to say. Thought it was fantastic. Uh, great way to break it down. Of course, you know we're at the end of the day we're all sports fans and, and love baseball and Major League Baseball. So they did a, a fantastic job once again <laughs> um, of breaking that down. And you know I'm in Boston now, so my Red Sox are. Uh, Continuing to fight for uh, this spot, right? It's 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 tough to repeat and compete, you know. But um, you know, a lot of distractions. So we're trying to get it back to where we were last year, which don't have high expectations for it now. But <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what we get. And now the Cubbies have uh, Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, you stole that one. <laughs> you got that stole one it. from us. You got him. <laughs> I, but you know how it is, though. You know when you win one, uh, there's a reason why teams are going to try to come in and, and and take some of your players from you. So uh, we'll see what happens. So I want to have you on, obviously, because the draft is 13 days away. So I trust your eyes when it comes to some of these top draft picks. You know the Bulls have seven. But before I ask you about the draft, I'm I'm curious to know. Two things, because we have not spoken since this happened. So, what are you, number one, what are your thoughts on Jawan Howard taking over the reins at Michigan? Um, I love it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that's the I'm, – I'm sure there were a lot of people who had a the, the, the view of it as, you know, an old player – you know, going back and, and has he coaching college before and all that. We we understand that. But uh, at the end of the day, it, it comes down to relationships, uh, networking. Can you get those players there? Do you understand basketball? Clearly he does. I mean, he's been on the NBA bench for many years. Uh, I, I mean, I kind of like it. You know, everyone saw the video of him being emotional. And th- does that equal success? No. I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to have to, you know, it's going to be, his success is going to be determined by what's the win-loss record and, and what how far he gets in the tournament and March Madness. But uh, I, I kind of, 
you know, we saw that with Chris Mullen at St. John's. We saw it with Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. Um, Jawan Howard at Michigan. He seems to be ready for that. So I'm excited to see it. Well, here's and what I, I really am. Here's what I, I really love. Here's what I loved as we talked to Pat Bradley from the SEC Network with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, ESPN app. The smartest thing he could have done is hire Phil Martelli as an assistant. Yeah, I mean, I was, I that's an awesome hire. That's a guy that's been at yeah. you know Temple forever, right? Or St. Joe's forever. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's amazing, and, and I think that shows what yeah you know, he gets it. He understands, and you know Martelli obviously has got connections, connections, connections. I mean, who has more connections than him? You know, his spider web reaches decades and 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 throughout everywhere. So he understands that, and part of it though. Like Jay Hood, you understand this? Like part, like if you're at Michigan, a big part of it is dealing with the everything that comes with that. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to be available to deal with fans and boosters and administration and, and all that. And and Jawan Howard knows that obviously like better than anybody, especially at Michigan. So. You know the basketball thing is going to be difficult as it always is, but the other side of it now nowadays is just as difficult to try to handle it and be successful. Yeah, I I, I think it's going to be very interesting how he recruits. I think the Martelli hire is good. So I just I want I haven't talked to you since that time, so I want to get your thoughts. So now we're 13 yeah. days away from the draft, and I'm I'm curious to know your thoughts on a several players. So just. From a college standpoint, you tell me how you think these players will do on the next level. So I'll, I'll start with you with uh, with Kobe White from North Carolina, the freshman, 6'5". What did you like most about Kobe? Uh, I love him. Love him. And I, and, and I understand that the Bulls are zeroed in on him. Chicago is. Um, he's big. God is aggressive. Tax the rim. He's always on the move, which I love from watching him this year. He caught the ball and everything was let's move the ball floor, you know what I mean? He was he was a fast tempo, fast tape uh fast pace guard, which I love. Um and he used his size, strength, athleticism. He didn't settle for jump shots. He attacked the rim. Which I love. At six five, I mean, you can't go wrong. I mean, it's a Chicago book. You can't go wrong with this kid. Um, I, I slept on him, to be honest with you, going into this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it wasn't until North Carolina started winning more and they got in the tournament to where I was really exposed to his game. But yeah, big time. I mean, if if you know Bulls fans get him, I don't know if you're getting an All Star, but you're getting uh, you're getting a big time player. Uh, what about from Vanderbilt, the freshman Darius Garland? Mm. He can go anywhere between one and seven on, on some of these mock drafts I have in front of me. The freshman point guard from Vanderbilt, because the Bulls do need to have someone to be a lead guard at some point. Yeah, he, he, he's an incredible story. Um, because he only played about two months of college basketball. He's got, he can shoot it, he's got incredible vision. He can handle it. Um, he, great instincts, so he can do all that. But he's about six one, six two, which you know that's that's fine. But he's got the touch and the feel for the game that everybody is 
just kind of drooling over. Um, you, you know, I, I, I view those two. I view Garland and, and White differently a little bit. Um, I think White's more of an attacker, a big body kid. Um, Darius Garland is a guy that, I mean, this is a reason why he's Jay Hood, this is the reason why this kid's top 10. Um, and he only played two months of college basketball. It's because he's got those instincts and the, the, the ability to score mm-hmm. and, and understand when to distribute the ball, uh, about as well as anybody. So, uh, I, I would definitely put him in the, you know, if not John Morant, uh, you know, you're probably taking Darius Garland number two from the point guard position. Pat Bradley from the SEC Network with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app as the draft is just 13 days away. I'll, I'll give you another uh, shooting guard, someone who really came to the forefront. I think that when he's on a big stage like that, I think Jared Culver showed why he belongs. Mm. The six six sophomore, you and I talked about him uh, during the NCAA tournament. What do you like most about Culver? You know what I love about that, that kid is, and I know I, I hate comparing NBA players to college players, but like I see uh, Kawhi Leonard, right? Mm-hmm. And I see how decision making, um, efficiency, like he doesn't waste steps, catches the ball, one dribble to the hoop. Um, I saw that with Jared Culver. Like he, he, he understands how important defense is. He understands how like physically talented he is, but on the offensive end, Catch one dribble to the rim. Catch, shoot. Doesn't, you know, try to make two, three, four you know, moves, and um, you know, which I see from Kawhi Leonard, which is beautiful. Uh, so, so I see in Jarrett Culver that. I mean, his body control is there. His body strength is there. Uh, what do you, obviously, Kawhi has the claws, which nobody in America has or nobody in the world has, but... So I, I kind of see Jared Culver in that in that mold. Um, as crazy as that sounds, maybe I'm just in, in, in love with watching Kawhi in the last couple weeks and how he's been playing, but that's how I see him. So you're saying the Bulls are going to get Bull Bull at seven. Is that what you're saying? Bull Bull is my man. Bull Bull. <laughs> I love Bull Bull. Hey. <laughs> I got the opportunity to meet uh, to uh, meet Manute Bowl uh, in front of the Boston Guide about 20 years ago, and anytime you can get a bowl on your team, bowl bowl, trust me. Come on, you know that you love that. <laughs> bowl, on, bowl. Can, can can he shoot like the old man? Can he shoot it? Because <laughs> the old man was like it was a, it was like a circus out there. You he just they just sagged off him. Was like okay. You know, you're seven seven. He was knocking it down for for Nelly's uh, Golden State Warriors. You remember that, right? Yeah, he was. He was like six or six or whatever it was. I mean, he just leave him up at the top of the key. He was going to knock it down. Bull, bull, <laughs> bull, bull. I, I could see it. It's the, it's the Bulls. I can see it. I can't believe he was still on the board. Bull, bull, <laughs> a terrific player, great young man. Uh, I, I get space the floor. Can't wait to see more bull, bull. I can see it now for the Bulls at seven. But you know, here's what I think. You know, I think, Pat, that at seven, the Bulls can find a, a solid player. It's, but for them, it's really about the core more so than what this draft. If Culver's there, if White's there, 
if Reddish is there, you got a nice player. Yeah, and and, and you're right about that. I mean, you. The reality is, you're going to draft a young player. You're going to draft a player who is at the beginning of the peak of his NBA career. And I, you know, it's it's amazing how people don't realize the peak of an NBA guy's career physically and mentally comes together at about 27, 28 years old. Your mind continues. To understand the game of basketball, your body continues to be able to do what your mind's telling you, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. You know, when you get to 32, 33, 34, then your body deteriorates. But she's in a young, very young basketball player. Um, so if you were to tell me today that, you know, Cam Reddish will be the best of the bunch, Fine, or you know, RJ Barrow, Bull Bull, or, or the rest of them. I mean, <laughs> they all have so much talent and potential that we really won't know until you know another five years or so. You know how these guys project. Well, I'm glad you spent some time, Pat. I just want to get your eyes on the on the draft because it's right around the corner, and, and at, even though the Bulls probably are disappointed that they are at seven and not up there with Memphis and New Orleans at one two, they still should be able to find a player that they can utilize at some point. Hey, wasn't Steph seven? Yeah, was he six? He's in that same in that team photo, definitely between five and ten. That's it. That's it. Hey, Hood, you're the man, brother. You know, you're the Everybody man. Everybody in Boston loves you, man. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. <laughs> They're all listening, man. The whole crew listening. All right, man. Thanks so much. There he is, everybody. Pat Bradley from the SEC Network. His thoughts on the NBA draft. Oh, you know what's coming up. Throwback Thursday, right here on ESPN 1000. How about the entire city of Boston? How about that? Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Before Snapchat. What is that? Before Twitter. So what's the sitch? There was. <laughs> That's so throwback. Those were the good times. That's so throwback. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Throwback Thursday memories. I see a little silhouette of a man. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Put your hands The throwback. All you need is love. Taking it back. Go back. The throwback. Back. Ah. Time for Throwback Thursday. Right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. We always give you something special with Throwback Thursday. We love it. Every Thursday at 9.35 right here on ESPN 1000, ESPN app. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood, also on Instagram, IGJHood. Here's our question for a throwback Thursday. I hear on Kiss FM. Um, <laughs> I want all our production to sound like, like Eric putting that open together. That should be a 30 for 30 in itself. Here, Eric, here's a whole bunch of sound. Right, all the sound together. effects, ready, go. <laughs> just just <laughs> emptying the bottle. Any, any, just put something together. I don't know. Throwback Thursday. 
Nothing sounds like it on the station, which I love. Nothing sounds like true. it. No one has a Kiss FM open like I do for my <laughs> segment. All right. And I'm Uncle Fred. Um, so here you go. What is the worst food that you've tasted or worst restaurant experience that you've ever had? When did this happen and where? That's our throwback Thursday question. What is the worst food that you've tasted or worst restaurant experience you've ever had? I will start. Uh, mine was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Went to a seafood restaurant. It's near the beach. Why not have seafood? And the place looked great, but the food was undercooked. And guess who didn't know that? Me. Guess who ruined a great anniversary time in Myrtle Beach? Me. Guess who needed a bucket next to my table? Me. Horrible. Horrible experience. And then, of course, even worse... <laughs> the bill came. Right. <laughs> Some pricey place. And seafood too, yeah. Yes. So oh. I won't name the place. I think it's closed now, Bullwinkles, but I uh but uh it is <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, yes, that was horrible for me. Worst food uh that I've ever tasted, a worst restaurant experience, definitely that place in Myrtle Beach. That's throwback. Reminds me of the movie Falling Down. Yes, sir. Hi, I'd like some breakfast. We stopped serving breakfast. I know you stopped serving breakfast, Rick. Sheila told me you stopped serving breakfast. Why am I calling you by your first names? I don't even know who you are. I still call my boss Mr. I worked for him for seven and a half years, but I walk in here all of a sudden, total stranger. I'm calling you Rick and Sheila like we're in some kind of AA meeting. I don't want to be your buddy, Rick. I just want a little breakfast. Well, you can call me Miss Folsom if you want to. Sheila. We stopped serving breakfast at 11.30. Rick, have you ever heard the expression, the customer is always right? Yeah. Yeah, well, here I am, the customer. That's not our policy. You have to order something from the lunch menu. I don't want lunch. I want breakfast. Yeah, well, hey. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm really sorry, too. Okay, good! That's throwback. Uh, throwback Thursday. Right here on ESPN 1000, ESPN app. So I see you guys on Facebook, facebook.com. I'm not going to say, say the name of these restaurants. If I do, Eric, dump me. Because um, I'll read anything that's in front of me. <laughs> Sharon Gordon says, I was in Cape Town, South Africa. And my host wanted me to try Chinese food. It was absolute garbage. That's from Sharon. Um, Jay talks about his food poisoning that took place at a, a Mexican restaurant. Um, Sean says tripe at a Brazilian restaurant on the west side of Chicago. Um, Brian Solaire says two times I had to wait an obscenely long time for a check once at a place in Dundee, which was odd since we were the only couple there. Second time was at a place in Rockford. Um, took an hour to get a manager just so I could pay them. That's a weird one, right? Did that waitress listen to a word I said? This steak is medium rare. I asked for it medium, and I wanted extra gravy on my mashed potatoes. Let me ask you something. How hard is your job? How intelligent do you have to be to take a food order? Jesus! Ma'am, ma'am, you're absolutely right, and uh, I apologize. I'm going to get this fixed for you right away. 
Eric, what's your worst experience at a restaurant or worst food you've ever tasted? I want to say this is probably five or six years ago, and I will preface this saying this is delivery. It wasn't at a restaurant. It was We were down in Florida for my cousin's wedding, and it was after the wedding, so it was late night. Let's order some pizza. The cousins and I literally sat on the steps of the hotel waiting for the pizza. 45 minutes passed, we call. It's on its way. Hour and a half, Paul, it's on its way. We called two and a half hours later. All right, we're getting one there. It shows up. The bottom of it, I'm not kidding, was pitch black. You couldn't cut it with a knife, with a pizza cutter. It was rock hard. Like We were starving. It was after a wedding. We just picked the cheese off the top and ate it. We didn't know what else to do. We got pictures of it. It was the hardest pizza I've ever had. Hard pizza? throwback. Mark Morowski says that St. Louis-style pizza is possibly the worst he's ever eaten in his life. St. Louis-style pizza. I don't know if I've ever had yeah, that. I'm not sure what that is. St. Louis-style pizza. I know what Detroit-style pizza is. Now, that's garbage. I don't know that either. That's that's, that's not good at all. Fried salmon with cream cheese. Oh. Disgusting. What a strange combination. Very weird. Doesn't work for me, that one. I mean, it's just um, greasy. Um, and get this out of the way? As quick as possible. Okay. Is that a real thing on Chef Ramsay's show? Fried salmon, salmon with cream cheese? With cream cheese. This, yep. That sounds nasty. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, God. That's, that's throwback. Got nowhere else to go there. Uh, Daniel Ramirez says garlic fries at AT&T Park being big timed at a Hooters in Cincinnati. <laughs> so, so big, uh, wait, what does that mean? Be big timed at a Hooters? I'd love to know more about I'm that. I'm sure. <laughs> big, big timed. <laughs> How was lunch, my darling? It wasn't very good. It, everything feels institutional, right? You know, like we just got out of the hospital and it's the best food we could get. I'm sorry, it's not a nice surprise for Mother's Day, is it? No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, <laughs> how about this? Uh, a chef is missing. What is this now? Chef's missing his food. It was sent back. Uh, messing with is oh, what I was oh, supposed to type. Yep. Yeah, let me, let's check this out. The first thing we do is we add a little extra gravy to the mashed potato. Ah, that's it. Good job, buddy. Good job. Nice one. Followed by a thin spread of cheese for your garlic bread. Some Fromunda cheese. Yeah, make us proud. Fresh from the We like this. Uh, Good. Up next, what we're going to do is... Yeah, how about a little guacamole for the steak? Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? Come on, man. You can't be mixing Mexican and continental. Come on, man. I thought you were better than that. Have a little garlic salt. What movie is from that from Eric? It's a movie called Waiting. It's literally just about working at like a chain restaurant. <laughs> Guacamole on the steak. That also is not a good combination. <laughs> no, it sounds odd. All right, Felix. What is your, the worst food you've ever had, or worst restaurant? I went to this restaurant in California when I was living out there, and I was with a group of friends. There was four of us, including myself. And as we sat down, we waited. We waited about 45 minutes, an hour for our food to finally get to us. First person that received their food was cold. We complained to the waitress. The waitress probably came to us like two or three times. And when we finally got the rest of the food, the rest of the food were all cold as well. Oh. Lady ended up with no tip, and we ended up with no hot food. So it was just a horrible experience. A, a horrible experience. We spent two hours on nothing. Got to leave a, a penny then. Leave a penny for a tip. Yeah, that's, it, that's probably worse. 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing in the serving industry. If you leave like a tip and then a penny above it, it's supposed to say you did good service. If you leave a tip and then put a penny on top. I oh. Worked, I worked in the industry way too long. <laughs> Somehow you're here. I just, <laughs> no, better, better in, put down the poll. Better industry. The industry you were in or the industry you're in now? Uh, the one I was in, I will never do that ever again. Actually, you know what? Check. I think we get paid on Friday. I think it's the same. You're listening to Jonathan Hood. I'm all in my bag as hard as it gets. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We thank you for being part of the program here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Don't forget, tomorrow we've got the NBA Finals, so no show. And then Monday, there'll be NBA Finals as well. No show on Monday. Let me come back uh, Let me come back Sunday. Let me come back Sunday afternoon with Jeff Dickerson. Let's do that, 3 to 5. 3 to 5 Sunday with Jeff Dickerson. Again, no Under the Hood show on Friday or Monday, but I'm going to come back Sunday. Maybe carve out a couple hours for the weekend, 3 to 5, with my guy J.D. for Dickerson Hood right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. All right. We thank you for listening, being part of the program here on ESPN 1000. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to Ryan Hollins, to Jesse Rogers, to Pat Bradley, show produced by Felix Nerick on the other side of the glass. Don't forget the Under the Hood podcast, wherever you download your podcast. Look for Under the Hood with John the Hood. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Leave a rate and a review on the podcast as well, especially if you're an Apple pod listener. It's on SoundCloud, it's on Stitcher, it's on Spotify, Deezer. It's on all the spots where you get your podcast, as well as Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday as well. Are you a wrestling fan? Follow me, Wrestling TWT. That will lead you exactly where you need to be. For everybody here at ESPN 1000, this is Jonathan Hood. I'll talk to you Sunday at 3 with JD right here. On ESPN 1000. And the ESPN app. So long, everybody. Good night from Chicago. Jonathan Hood. I'm so good. On ESPN 1000. <laughs> Madison.